Good to be here tonight. Good to be with you again. And uh, so thankful that you're here. Thanks for coming out. I know you had a lot of options on this Thursday night you could have done, but you're here. You're in the best place, I believe. You chose the best option. Amen? <laughs> you're like, I don't know. It depends on how good you preach. We'll decide. Start preaching. Just kidding. Hey, we are uh, we're wrapping up. Wrapping up our series uh, tonight, we've been talking about the truth about lies, truth about lies, and we've been talking about how the devil's primary strategy for bringing pain and ruin into our life is primarily through lies, through deceptive ideas that he deposits and they coordinate with our already disordered desires And then they are confirmed in a sinful society that we live in, and it just brings pain and ruin into our life, starting with the lies that he tells us. So I want to close out the conversation tonight with um, some thoughts that I think will be uh, very practical um, and hopefully in turn be helpful. So can we read a few, few parts of scripture tonight? Can we do that as we start? So um, if you've got your Bibles, there should be one in front of you or uh, below your seat, or you can follow along on the screen. I want to first read out of Galatians chapter 6, and, um, and then we'll turn over and read a little bit in Romans, all right? Turn to your neighbor and just say, you have a beautiful voice. <laughs> Assuming that you heard them sing, obviously. So let's start out in uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. This is Paul writing. We've been in this for the past few weeks a little bit, and so we're going to close out in it as well. He says, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. From the what will reap destruction? From the flesh will reap destruction. I think this is important because, I love it, I love it. We got all ages here tonight. (laughs) It's beautiful. I think this is important because from the flesh will reap destruction. Nine times out of ten, the repercussions of sin is the consequences of sin. It's not that, you know, God punishes you for your sin. It's the fact that you're reaping from the flesh, and the flesh reaps destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's such an encouraging verse. At the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so I want to turn also over to Romans chapter 12 and our Read in verse 1 there as well. It says this, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then I love this next verse. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. To the what? To the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve 
what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This concept that the scriptures teach us, this idea of you reap what you sow, primarily is not just a theological concept or a theological principle that we find in scripture, but it's also just a human principle. I don't know if you've ever heard of, of the law of returns. This is essentially you get what you put in. You may have heard the law of returns said in some different ways. Uh, it says it like this, what goes around comes around, right? You may have heard uh, you get out what you put in like father. You get what you deserve. No pain, no gain. It's this idea of law of the law of returns. It's not just in Scripture. We find it in all other things. But Jesus himself teaches it in Scripture in other areas. He says, give and it will be given to you. In another place, he says, with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And then here in Galatians, Paul talks about this idea of you reap what you sow. But the law of returns really has two parts to it. Part one is this idea that every action has a reaction. What is that? That's, is that the law of thermodynamics? Is that right, you smart people? What is it? Law of every action. All right, let's delete that from the podcast. Um, every action has a reaction. I was in college a long time ago. So, But then uh, kind of the second part of this law of returns is that the reaction is often disproportionate to the action. In other words, what you get out is often more than what you put in, in this idea of the law of returns. Anybody in here a uh, finance or a business major? Or maybe even you're out of college and you're in a finance or business type world. Raise your hand again, finance, business major. All right, great. You guys uh, don't judge me as I talk about this next kind of portion. I'm going to do my best shot. You can just roll your eyes at me. Um, but there is, um, in the finance world, there is this similar idea of the law of returns, and it's referred to as compound interest. Have you heard about it? You guys are like Austin. They teach that in elementary school now. I think we've all heard about it. Compound interest, right? I, I, I remember very clearly when I was, um, I guess I was about, I think I was 24 years old, I got my first big boy job. And big boy job meaning I got my first like salary paid job. It wasn't hourly, it was salary, right? And I had been working since I was 16 years old, probably had 10 jobs up to that point, just doing odd things. You guys are probably doing the same thing, but this was my first big boy job. They were giving me health insurance. I mean, I was like, I was pumped. You know, I got that offer letter and I just, I signed it immediately. I don't even care what else I have to do. I'm just signing it, right? And, um, Unless it was children's ministry, then I wasn't going to sign it. But it was, it was uh, high school ministry. Anyways, so I was getting this job, and I remember I called, I called my dad. My dad kind of is in the finance world, got an accounting degree from University of Georgia. So he's, like, really smart in that area. So I said, Dad, you won't believe how much I am getting paid. I said, look at this number. And I showed it to him. And he was like, oh, congratulations, son. That's great. And I said, man, the things, I mean, I'm already planning. I got a TV at Best Buy I'm looking at. I already got a fresh new pair of kicks that I'm looking at buying. And uh, he said, that's great, son. Uh, congratulations. I'm proud of you. But are, have, you, have you had time to think through, like, where your, your money's going to be going and, and all that kind of stuff? Say, yeah, Dad, I got this figured out. 
He said, well, have you thought through, you know, how much rent is going to cost? And, you know, I know you've been dating Susanna for a while. Are you saving up for a ring? I was like, oh, dang, you're right. I got to save up for a ring now. Those are expensive, fellas. You better start saving now. I don't care if you're not even dating anybody. Just start saving. I said, okay, you're right on that. And he said, you know, your, your car is kind of on its last leg, too. You better start saving for a new car. I'm like, I thought you were going to buy me a car, Dad. <laughs> he said, nope, you got that big boy job. And um, anyways, and so I was like, dang, you're right. And I realized I did not have as much money as I thought I was going to have. And then about a week later, he let that die. And then about a week later, I was catching up with him. He said, son, um, you know, I don't mean to kind of overwhelm you with things, but have you thought about investing into retirement? investing into retirement. Dad, I'm 24 years old, right? Like, I don't need to invest into retirement. Plus, I got this TV I'm looking at, right? And he said, um, son, you may want to think about starting, you know, to invest into your retirement a little bit. And he began to just kind of unroll this idea of compound interest. And so you may be familiar with this. Basically, what happens is over a period of time, interest actually begins to earn interest on itself, it's really complicated, but if you, if you were to, you know, invest into something for like 20 years, it really doesn't do much. You just kind of see it barely going like this. And then out of nowhere, after a period of time, it just starts to rise like this. It's, it's really crazy. I encourage you guys, maybe look into it a little bit. But it's this idea of compound interest. And I don't remember exactly all the numbers. For those of you that know this world, you can make fun of me. But it's something ridiculous. Like if you start investing when you're 35, if you do like five grand a year, when you turn 65, you'll have something like $500,000. But if you started when you were 25, when you turn 65, it's like over a million that you would have saved up because interest begins to earn interest on itself. It's this idea of compound interest. It comes from the law of returns. And I'll never forget, my dad said this phrase to me and it stuck with me. He says, son, if you want to enjoy the blessings of tomorrow, you'll have to endure the discipline of today. And I have learned that that has played into my life in so many different areas. If you want to enjoy the blessings of tomorrow, you'll have to endure the discipline of today. And Paul, the writer in scripture, applies this law of returns idea to your spiritual formation. If you're not familiar with that term spiritual formation, it's basically the process by which we are formed from the inside out to become a specific type of person. And this idea of the law of returns in your spiritual formation life, that if you plant a seed, that it will eventually, over time, as you continue to water it, that it will have a law of returns and that it will grow into something far beyond anything that you can imagine. Disproportionate, you plant a tiny little seed and it becomes what? A big oak tree or whatever the seed was meant to become. And he applies this to our spiritual formation. And so we've been talking about, you know, your spirit and your flesh and the war that happens within you. You've got your, your flesh that pulls you away from the things that God has designed for you, away from the good and the things that are true and beautiful in life. And then you've got your spirit and the spirit of God that lives in you. And obviously the fruit of the spirit that come from that but this concept of the law of returns plays out in, in a lot of different ways. Every time, listen, every time we sow to our flesh, 
Every time we sow to our flesh, we plant something in the soil of our heart that then begins to take root and eventually yields a character. Every time we sow to our flesh, it plants something into our heart and it eventually takes root and it becomes more than just a little seed. It eventually come, becomes our character. But it's true vice versa as well. That every time you sow into the spirit, every time you choose what the spirit is leading you to do, every time you choose what the spirit of God uh, has put inside of you, every time you choose that, it opens something in your heart. It plants something. And you begin to yield from a choice it grows into a character. And the cycle, like the law of returns, begins to feed off of its own energy. And it either spirals out of control into destruction or the opposite. It culminates into Christ-likeness. What you and I, what our hope and what our prayer is, is that we would become like Christ. But it has the potential, every time you sow to the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the cravings of the flesh, it can spiral into destruction. Does this seem extra like foggy in here? Do you guys see that? I don't know if that fog machine is just running on hot right now or what, but. <sighs> so here's, here's my point. Here's kind of my, my thesis for the night and where, what I want to just kind of unpack for the next 15 minutes. Your choices eventually become your habits. Habits eventually become your character. And your character becomes your destiny. Your choices, every choice you make becomes a habit. Your habit eventually becomes your character. And your character becomes, leads you into your destiny, to your future. And if you can just feel the weight of that, feels heavy. And you and I both know this, that your, your character formation is not a result of like one big decision. It is, however, the result of thousands of small daily decisions that you make. Your character formation is the result of thousands of daily decisions that you make, which means this is true. The longer that we continue to make the wrong decisions, or sow into our flesh and to gratify the desires of our flesh, the more that our heart hardens. This is why the more that you sin, the less you feel bad about it. Have you noticed that? The more that you sin, the less you feel bad about it because your heart hardens. And the longer that you sow into your flesh, into the desires of your flesh, the more that our, your heart hardens and you just stop feeling bad about those things. The longer that you make the right decisions and sow into your spirit and the life that he has designed for you, the more that your heart softens, or better said, the more that it comes alive. And that is the life that we've been called to live. I'll, I'll give you this example. You know, nobody, nobody wakes up one day in a, in a happy marriage, a healthy family. Everything is great. Nobody wakes up one day and just goes, you know what? I'm going to have an affair. I'm going to choose to cheat. That's not, that's not like one decision you make. Maybe it, maybe it has happened. But for the most part, that's not just, nobody just wakes up and decides that. Instead, what happens is that 
has been a decision that is made by lots of small decisions. Not the decision to cheat, but thousands of decisions before that. Decisions to watch this movie. Decisions to not have a date night. Decisions to not go to counseling. Decisions to make a flirtatious comment to a coworker. And the more and more that tiny, small decisions are made like that, the more that is sown into the flesh, eventually it becomes a character. And it leads us to our destiny. Here's the sobering reality. The longer you choose a habit, the less likely you are to change. That hurts just to say it, but it is true. The longer that you choose a habit, the less likely you are to change. We irreversibly and irrevocably become a product of our decisions. Eventually, it just becomes like who you are. It becomes just a natural decision for you. You have to check your phone. You have to have a glass of alcohol before you go to bed. You have to make a a biting comment towards somebody just so you can have the upper hand. You have to masturbate to porn. You just have to. It becomes something that you have to do because it's been a habit that was just over time, over and over and over again, it feels like something that you just have to do and it seems impossible to change. Here's the good news. You're like, thank God. People ask me, people ask me all the time, Austin, do you, do you enjoy working with college students, with young adults? I say, absolutely, I love it. They say, why do you enjoy it? I say, because they're fun. You go, old people are not fun, right? Because young people are fun. It's, it's enjoyable. Now, I, There's tons of reasons why I love working with this age group. But one of the reasons is this, is that you guys have a sense of pliability. Meaning this, you you have in your like 18, 19, in your 20s, you have this sense of of this question, who will I become? Right? all, All of you are probably asking that. Who will I become? Who am I becoming? Right? But I got bad news for you. When you turn like 40... No one's asking the question, who will I become? You know what they are asking? Ah, dang, that is who I became, (laughs) right? I mean, that kind of is awful, but you just sit back and you go, man, look at who I have become. When you're your age and you're young, in your 20s, you're asking the question, man, who do I want to become? Who will I become right now, right now for you? You have a greater capacity to determine who you will become. Not what you will do, but who you will be at this stage of life right now. It doesn't mean that people can't change when they're 40. It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God can't break through in someone's life at whatever age, 40, 50, 60, whatever age, God can break through. I'm just saying that right now is the most opportune time for you to ask the question, who do I want to become? And right now is the most opportune time for you to spend time working on your character formation, which is applied to your spiritual formation, and becoming who you want to become. Right now is the best time. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you need to work on you. You need to work on you. Right now is the best time. You need to work on you. This is a huge topic, right? But I think a large part of the conversation comes down to what we read in that Romans passage. Do not conform to the patterns 
of this world. So I want to focus, for the next few minutes, I want to focus on this idea of patterns. Sometimes I think that um, we see the situations of life as just kind of these random happenstance, like just a bunch of random things that happen. This, I got this problem, this problem, and this problem, and just random. But I believe most often they're not actually random. Most often there is a pattern to why things have happened in our life. And then we get real mixed up and we give our lives to Jesus and we become followers of him. And a lot of our problems that we were facing didn't just disappear. I don't know if you've had that experience, but it's not like an overnight thing for most people. We still have the same problems. And the reason is because oftentimes there is a pattern by which your problems are coming to surface or a pattern by which your problems happen. And so the bigger question is, what are the patterns in my life? I'd say it like this. You cannot believe your way out of problems that were created by faulty patterns. You can't believe your way out of problems that were created by faulty patterns. Now, when we become followers of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes in us. He indwells in us, and he gives us the power to change. But oftentimes that does not happen overnight, that we have to give attention to the patterns in our life. And then with his power in us, we can tackle these patterns and see change in our life. I want to show it on the board in just a second. But I once heard somebody say this, and it feels um, kind of harsh, but I, I heard somebody say this. It weren't, wasn't my words. That's why I can say it. Um, if you're dumb and you become a Christian, you're now just a dumb Christian. <laughs> Like, like it doesn't, everything just doesn't change like that, right? And his power is available to us and we can seek his wisdom and his change in our life. But nothing just, like most of the time, things don't just change overnight. So write this down. Number one, write this down about patterns. Your patterns are a good prediction of your problems. The problems you have now and the problems you will have in your future. Your patterns are a good prediction of your problems. Now, let me give a, a small disclaimer here. There are some things in life that I think God has just kind of willed for your life or for someone's life and has nothing to do with your decisions. Take, for example, uh, like a disease or something. That's not a result of your patterns. That's just a result of life. So I'm not saying that everything in life is a result of patterns, but I do think that most of life is not as mystical as we make it out to be. Most of what we are facing in life is a result of the patterns that we have established. There are fashion patterns. There are weather patterns. There are traffic patterns, coding patterns, musical patterns. And my favorite of all, there are math patterns. Anybody a math geek in the room tonight? Nobody? Come on, be proud of it, math geeks. All right, you love math. Good for you. Anybody hate math? <laughs> She's coming in strong. Let me write a uh, math problem. Can you see that? Those are ones. Those are ones. Can you see that? So 111... Let's go with uh, plus, not times, plus 111. Now, in a math problem, you have 
this part of the problem, which we call the pattern, and we have this part of the problem, which we call the product, right? Now, if I were to continue this out, let's say I wrote this out another three times. One, 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 one. Another three times. The product that I'm going to get is honestly something that I don't even really want to write on the board, right? <laughs> the pattern... The pattern leads me, it leads 111 times 6 is 666, right? The pattern leads me to a product. And to be honest, in this, I don't like the product. Do you like the product? No. Some of us don't like what we're getting in our life. The products. We don't like the product. We don't like our relationships. We don't like how our bodies look. We don't like how we feel distant from the Lord. We don't like our friendships, and yet we're not doing anything to change the pattern. Can I just encourage you tonight, if you don't like the product, change your pattern. The problem isn't the product. The problem is your pattern. Like very simply, if I just added twos into our pattern, completely changes our product. If you don't like the product you're getting in life, change the pattern by which you're getting it. I can't tell you how many times I talk to students that just say, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just, I feel far from God. I just feel like I don't have a connection with him. I get it, but let's investigate the patterns. What kind of patterns are in your life that lead you to feel close to God? What are the patterns that you're putting in place that leads you to know more of him and more of his presence. You can hate the product all you want, but the problem is not the product. The problem is the pattern. And we walk around upset and blaming other people for the condition of our life, but might I suggest, suggest to you that maybe the reason for the product you don't like is the pattern you won't change. Maybe the reason for the product that you don't like is the pattern that you refuse to change. Maybe it's not as mystical and complex as we make it out to be. Maybe it's just about your patterns. One of the biggest things that millions of people are struggling with today, and, and, and probably many of you are struggling with, is this uh, is depression. You guys know that. And let me make it clear. I believe that, that many times depression is a completely medical, a chemical imbalance in our brains and that it, it, it requires uh, medicine. It requires attention. I think all the time counseling. But let me just also be clear. I think there are many, many people suffering from what they call depression, and it's not really all that. Most of the time, or many of times, it's just a result of faulty patterns. And I just want to say, hey, let's look at the patterns in your life because maybe that's leading you to a product that you don't want. And if we change the pattern, you can get a different product. What kind of patterns have you established to affirm who you are in Christ? Much of what has us all sad and down about who we are is because we're comparing ourselves to other people. We're looking for affection and approval from the people around us. And when we don't get it, we fall into this sad, lonely, depressed state of mind. And 
what kind of patterns are you establishing in your life to affirm who you are in Christ? To build security that your approval doesn't have to come from other people. That it can come from who God has called you to be and what he has called you, a child of his. But that's not a a, a thing that you just come to realization on a Thursday night. That's a result of patterns in your life that you have established that lead you to that product of being a secure, confident person, joyful person. That's a result of healthy patterns that you have established. I've watched young people for for years since I've been in ministry get involved with an alcohol-driven, sexually-fueled, mistake-glorifying kind of lifestyle, and it always produces a product that, one, they're either not happy with, or B, leads them to tons of regret. Leads them with tons of regret. And they're upset at the product that their life has become. And I just have to, you know, hopefully with a lot of grace, ask the question and make the statement, do you realize you're you're not a victim of your circumstances? Like for, for much of them, you're a reaper of what you have sown. And you are now reaping a product that you have sown healthy or unhealthy patterns of living. And now you're reaping that product. Does that make sense? And so tonight, I just wanted to highlight to you and hopefully bring to the surface going, hey, let's look at the patterns in our life. And many times when I have these conversations, they say, yeah, but I just had no idea. I had no idea that it would lead me to this product. And that's why I'm talking to you tonight and trying to encourage you to be wise in the patterns that you establish because it will likely produce a product that you will have to live with the rest of your life. Think about that. The patterns you establish will likely produce a product that you will have to live with the rest of your life. It's more important than you and I give it credit. Anybody made any new health goals this year? You're in the gym 24-8. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But let me just kind of bring awareness. The problem isn't that God has made you overweight. Maybe it has something to do with a lack of control of your diet or that you choose to watch TV instead of getting in a consistent exercise routine, right? I mean, I'm not, like, I'm preaching the choir, right? We all know this. It's, it's this idea of law of return. And I, and I just got to speak for myself. I, I am not, listen to me, y'all, I am not very pleased with this right now. <laughs> As I stand up in front of her, I'm not very happy. I'm getting dad bod, like, hardcore, right? <laughs> I'm not very happy with what I got going on. But I realize, y'all, I'm just telling you, I realize it's because every time my wife goes to the grocery store, I tell her to pick up another carton of that uh, Extreme Moose Tracks ice cream. You guys had that? Extreme Moose Tracks? Y'all, this is from the devil. Extreme Moose Tracks. But it is so good. I'm very much aware, very much aware that the product that I'm getting in my life 
is a result of the patterns. I'm just saying, before we start complaining about the product that we don't like, can we just investigate the patterns in our lives? Let me take it a little bit deeper. Maybe the reason why you're struggling with making friends is because you aren't the type of person that people want to be friends with. Like maybe the fact that that's your product, maybe there's an unhealthy pattern in your life. You know? I mean, you can't change your relationships if you don't start changing your kindness and the way you treat people. Maybe the product of friendships that don't last and all of that, maybe it's, I'm not saying it is, I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to ask the question. Maybe, maybe it's a result of unhealthy patterns. I hear girls say all the time, I just keep getting in bad relationships with bad guys that hurt me. I get it. There are bad guys out there and they're hurting you. I get it. But is it possible that the problem is in your pattern for how you look for a guy? Is it possible that the problem is in the pattern in how you date? And because of how you're dating, only the right kind of person or you're attracting kind of people that are then toxic and lead to unhealthy relationships? Maybe the problem isn't just that you're getting bad guys. Maybe there's a pattern in your relationships that's dysfunctional and it's leading to toxic relationships. I'm not saying people don't have a pardon and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, and that's why we're going to spend the next four weeks. I can't wait. Next month, we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about relationships, love, dating. It's going to be a blast, and you're going to want to be here because it's going to be awkward and awesome. <laughs> I don't think I need to, to keep going on the point. I think you get it. Um, just one more, you know. Sometimes I have conversations with guys that say, you know, I'm struggling with looking at porn. And my response is, well, let's, let's delete Safari off your phone. Let's download a program on your phone that sends updates to a friend or someone about what you've been looking at. Let's get you an accountability group. When I was, back when I was doing middle school and high school ministry, I would say, let's talk to your parents. I wouldn't do that to you now, but... And oftentimes the response is, no, 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 I can't. I can't do that. What if, what if, if I don't have safari, you know, I can't look up, you know, best restaurants in the area or, or I can't, you know, I don't want anybody else knowing. Okay, I'm just telling you, the product you're getting is a result of the pattern. So if you want a different product, you need to change the patterns. Anybody can perceive problems, but the ability to see the pattern beneath the problem changes Everything. So point number two, and then I'll close up. Don't buy the lie that a changeable pattern is a permanent problem. This is where a little hope comes in. <laughs> I want to encourage you, don't buy the lie that a changeable pattern is a permanent problem. It's not. Somehow we allow changeable patterns to become like our identity and who we are. You hear statements like, well, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a morning person. Really? You're just going to like embrace that as your identity? That's who you are? Like I, I get it, we're all made differently, but that's not like a personality trait. Perhaps if we look at your patterns, we would see things like you're staying up 
till midnight watching one more episode. Some of y'all are like, midnight, that's child's play. I'm up till like three. Right? Maybe you're staying on your phone till super late. You know, being on your phone just like causes endorphins and things in your mind to rush and, it, and it's, it, it doesn't allow you to disconnect. And so if you're on your phone up until the you know, moment that you go to sleep, that affects how you go to sleep. Maybe it's the fact that you didn't lay your clothes out the night before. Maybe you drank a Coke at dinner, right? I know I sound like dad right now. I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you to see. A lot of times a, a product that we embrace as our identity is really not. Really, it could just be a changeable pattern that if you'll give some attention to, you'll see a difference. I'm not a good student. Really? Just made that like your identity? It's permanent, that's who you are? Maybe you just have terrible study patterns, right? Maybe you just have bad study patterns. Wait till the night before to study for a test. That's probably why you failed. Not because you're dumb or not because you're a terrible student. It's just you have bad patterns. You hear what I'm saying? Don't embrace an identity about yourself that is really just a changeable pattern. We'll beg God to change our thought life, but we won't ever change the things we allow into our minds. You hear what I'm saying? Beg God. We come on Thursday night, beg him. God, change my thoughts, and yet you won't change what you're looking at and the thoughts that you're allowing to come into your mind. And we come to church and we ask God to deliver us from our lust problem, but we don't stop to change the pattern that leads us to that issue. Right? And we've talked a lot of the last few weeks about the devil and his agenda to bring ruin and pain into our souls and our societies. But I think we have to be careful not to give him too much credit, y'all. Don't give him too much. It's really just a pattern. The devil didn't make you text that girl that late at night. You're just making dumb decisions, right? Change your pattern and you'll get a different product. Listen to me. Some of you have experienced like a lot of pain and chaos and calamity in your world because your parents did not choose healthy patterns. Let me just encourage you. If you come from a, a broken home, a divorced home or something like that, let me just encourage you. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Your parents were responsible for managing healthy patterns that led them to a healthy marriage. No one is responsible for my marriage and my family except for me. And if I allow unhealthy patterns to get into my marriage that lead us to dysfunction, that lead us to a product that we don't like, that's my fault. I allowed unhealthy patterns to happen. So don't embrace that as your fault, please. No one is responsible for that except for me. And if I, I'm bringing another kid into the world, if an excuse is, well, life just got complicated with another kid, listen, it is my responsibility as I learn what it's like to now have two kids instead of one to figure out what are some healthy patterns that I need to put in place so that my marriage doesn't suffer. That's my responsibility, never my kid's responsibility, and it was never yours. We come to church and we ask God to move in power to shift things in our life, but yet our own patterns are in conflict with what we're asking him to do. So let me encourage you, pray 
and ask God to do miracles in your life. Ask him to do things that only he can do. But do not let prayer become a substitution for pattern awareness. Be aware of the unhealthy patterns that are established in your life. As I close, the power of your patterns. You know, it's a fun little idea when you apply it to health and fitness and investment strategies. But it is absolutely sobering when we apply it to our spiritual formation. When we apply it to our journey with Jesus, it's completely sobering. We've been talking about our spirit and our flesh and how we give in to the desires of our flesh. And so listen, even if we cannot eradicate our flesh all the way and the fact that it pulls us into a life away from God, even if we cannot completely eradicate it, I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where my surrender to the Spirit of God, where there is power over my body and my mind and the flesh is power. The flesh is power has been broken. Broken by Jesus and broken by me following Jesus. I may not be able to eradicate my flesh completely, but I want to live in such a way where the power over my mind, where it's power over my mind and my body has been broken because I'm following Jesus. And the way that we do this, listen closely, the way that we break its power over our mind and our body, our souls and who we are, is by the habits or the practices or the disciplines of our mind and our body that break the control of our flesh on us and open us up from the inside out to the very power that raised Jesus from the dead that is now living inside of us. We open our mind, our body, our soul to that power and now our flesh is weakened because we have established the habits and the practices and the disciplines that open up the activity of the Spirit of God in us. That is no one's decision but yours. No one's decision but yours. And just like, I mean, you guys, just like emotions. Emotions can't be flipped on and off like a switch. You can't just say, I'm not going to be sad today. It's not a thing. Emotions and, and your desires are siblings. Desires oftentimes cannot be switched on and off like that. But if you want to augment your emotions, what do you do? You change what you think about. If you want to augment the desires of your flesh, you do that through the habits and the practices and the disciplines of opening your mind and your soul, your body to the power of God living inside of you. Some of those being prayer is a habit, it's a discipline. Scripture reading is a habit, it's a discipline. Confession is a ha it's a discipline that you can put in place in your life. It's biblical. Silence and solitude is a discipline of you disconnecting from the distractions of the world and just getting away and being with Jesus. That's a discipline that you should 
have in your life. Fasting is a discipline that maybe you want to look into. All these things are disciplines that break the control of our flesh and that unleash the power of God into our mind and our bodies. And the big decisions of life, listen, the big decisions of your life, like what you're going to do with your career, who you're going to marry one day, pale in comparison to what you do with the everyday decisions of your life. Absolutely pale in comparison. Pale in the comparison to the overwhelming tsunami force of the habits that you have established in your life. So my encouragement for you tonight, my hope out of this is just to encourage you. Will you just please investigate, look into, ask God to illuminate the patterns in your life that are leading you to a product that you don't want? What are the unhealthy patterns? Scripture says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What pattern? What pattern do you need to stop and what pattern do you need to start? And if you're just discouraged, I I felt the need to do this before I came up here. If you're discouraged about your spiritual formation, your character formation, and you're like, gosh, you're hearing me talk, like, I have so many unhealthy patterns. Like, I am being taken out by the unhealthy patterns in, in my life. Let me just encourage you with what we read in Scripture in the very beginning. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Wherever you're at in your spiritual formation, your character formation, wherever you're at in the process, if it's been a long journey for you, if you're brand new in it, if you're feeling defeated, if you're discouraged, let me just encourage you, do not give up. Don't quit. If you tried beating that habit so many times and you keep failing, don't quit. Do not give up. You never know. You never know when God's gonna bring a breakthrough for you. You never know. You may have tried a thousand times. Go a thousand and one times. Do not give up and do not become weary in doing good for you will reap a harvest. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, I'm so grateful that you would give us you know, the wisdom to to see these things that, God, that you would make it easy to understand like this, that, that much of what I'm facing in my life, much of what we are dealing with, not everything, but much of it is a result of unhealthy patterns that we've established. And so, God, I, I do pray that, that, that your spirit would breathe on those things, that it would not just become an act of will, but that it would become a partnership with you and that through your power, and through the unleashing of your spirit within us, that we would have what it takes to establish these patterns that lead us to a product that is much better than what we have now. And God, that that you would empower us to do that. Father, we just confess we cannot do it on our own. We've We've been trying. We've tried for so long. 
there are some unhealthy patterns that people are acknowledging in here tonight to just say, I've been facing this since I was 13 years old or since I was 17. And God, maybe it just takes a moment tonight of confession to say, I cannot do this on my own anymore. God, I need your power within me. So Lord, would you unleash that? But oh God, I pray that you would give us what it takes, the discipline that we need, that you would light a fire within us. And Lord, that we would begin to implement these things that you have given us, these practices, these disciplines, these habits that you have clearly spoken to us through. God, that we would encounter you through prayer and through scripture reading, through all of those things, God, that we would incorporate those into our lives and that as a result, God, that you would break the control that our flesh has on us. And God, that you would open our minds and our bodies to receive a power from you that we've never had before. And God, may this be a room. Would each person in this room experience the transformation that you've promised us when we do that? Lord, to all that you have promised us, we receive it. God, for those who are discouraged, would you give encouragement in here? For those who feel like they can't go anymore, God, would you give them what it takes to just keep going, to not give up? We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen.